Give me warp in the factor of five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are here to review Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 1, Grounded. Of course, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail in addition to talking all things Trek. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Cal Jones. How are you doing, man? You know what? We've had, as of this recording, a small hiatus in Trek land of discussing Trek. So I've missed you guys. I'm glad to be back talking Trek with you guys, even if it is Lower Decks. So there you go. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. Yeah. Glad to have you back. Can't wait to dive into this, I think. (laughs) But also on the podcast, we have Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing? Well, hello, my friend. Fellow Federation citizens, I, too, have missed talking to you guys. I've missed talking Trek, although I have been watching some good old DS9 and Voyager and such to get my feel of it. But, yeah, I I think we've been away for far too long. Without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into Star Trek Lower Decks Grounded, which was written by Chris Kula, while Jason Zirik directed the episode. Mariner enlists her friends on a rogue mission to exonerate her mother as Captain Freeman faces a military tribunal for the destruction of Packlet Planet. So for everyone listening, if you have not yet seen Grounded, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. All right. The spoiler warning has been dropped and we are back to review Grounded. And like always, we'll go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Mr. Jones, what do you have for us this week? So you would think after, like I said before, having a hiatus of many, many weeks that I would be like overjoyed and overflowing with this big, long reading of a Beats. But I promise I'm going to keep it short, sweet and simple. And this is what it is. This is to the writers and the producers of Lower Decks. Please stay on this level. Don't go lower. I can agree. I can agree. I second that. <laughs> I second that notion, sir. It, it's sometimes when you set the bar so low, like it's only one way is to go up. And I think we kind of felt that maybe coming out of the last season. Uh, so to say this one is better. Yeah, maybe. But I'm with Kyle here. Like, let's 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 look upward, not downward. And maybe we'll be OK. But the funniest thing is, you know, looking at over some reviews uh, past day or so, I'm seeing a lot of descriptions like funniest, reintroduced to the core, invoking, mature. I don't know how I feel about all those. Yeah, I might have to get you to expound on those a bit. I'm going to need the people that did the reviews to expand on them. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're like, huh? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, as for me, I think. I'm not going to say I loved it or hated the episode. I just think it was there and it was decent. I've kind of just found a way to put this show in a place of it's just here to hit the nostalgic references is here for the Easter eggs. 
sometimes it has a good story. Sometimes the story is kind of just simple and non-existent. I think especially in this episode, I, we were kind of riffing on a few things here, especially as you um, look at how they were stealing the ship and all the promo images and stuff for this season definitely were hinting at Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. My friends, I can't ask you to go any further. Dr. McCoy and I have to do this. The rest of you do not. Admiral, we're losing precious time. What course, please, Admiral? Mr. Scott? I'd be grateful, Admiral, if you'd give the word. Stealing the Cerritos, basically, a la Kirk and crew. So, yeah, I just I just feel like this show is a big nostalgia trip. I, I don't get where people say it's the best Star Trek, but it is definitely something if you're here for the nostalgia, here for the references, there's a lot of fun to be had in it. Again, I've kind of got to the point where I'm not really into the story all that much because, you know, it's a 30 minute show. It's 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 simple, but sometimes it's very interesting. And of course, we've had those episodes that that have made us think. And, you know, sometimes it's just episodes that leave us puzzled. But overall, for this particular one, I think I, I really I think I I think I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So what I would add to that is, you know, I've for anyone listening, you've heard me kind of use Lower Decks as the bar for any time. I mean, Jonathan, I know I've said it to you. That, well, at least it's not Lower Decks. So I, I think coming off of last season, there were some episodes that were so low received or so not well received by us that, you know, it does ex- give us this expectation that there's only nowhere else to go but up. That said, I'm th- I'm trying to make myself okay with a little bit of crass because I know for every subject or every genre of every franchise out there, there are different people and not everything is going to be liked by everyone. I just hope that they keep the crass to a, a little bit more of a minimum this season. Yeah. And at this point, we're three, you know, this is the beginning of the third season. We're two seasons in starting on a third season. We kind of we went from not really knowing what to expect with Lord Dex to now. I think we're fully if you're still watching now or if you're watching to review or whatever, you you kind of know what you're getting. And even by the end of this episode, I kind of felt like we got the hint that it's going to change a little bit. Nothing's off the table. We could just go all over this episode. It's really a very simple story. Steal the Cerritos, get the crew back together to to rescue or try to exonerate the captain. But I felt like by the end of this, we left the door open to, and we keep saying this, to, to see Mariner be a better person. And I really like the fact that by the end of this episode, Grounded, they really addressed all the questions this <laughs> this crew, these hosts have had about her character and what her character could, could be. We see where Captain Freeman is fed up. We see where her, her father is fed up and they've handed her over to Ransom to get in the shape or, 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 or put her on a different path because, you know, there's nowhere else to send her. You know, we've, we've said all this before and they've, we, we see now where they finally see that and they're giving her one last chance. Now, all that being said, we could go back to the same hijinks and stuff of her doing her thing, which I'm sure we're going to see a lot of that. But I think the door is open by the end of this episode to maybe see her go in a different direction. 
But like, do we honestly think, okay, we're at our wits end. Something has to be done. We need to take a dramatic step. We're fed up. And the answer is ransom. (sighs) Do we think that's going to like if mom and dad had done it and none of the consequences she's had to deal with from her actions has done it. Do we think ransom? Like, I don't even think she really respects him. I think there may be some room open for respect. They did have a couple episodes where they went on away missions together. They got a little closer, uh, especially in the first season. I think it's the one they kind of went on the way mission together. I think there's room for growth there. Now, again, I have to preface all that by saying we haven't seen much of that yet. But I, I think the door, there's a little crack in the door there to, to move in a different direction. And, mm. and, that, and that might not be what people want, but that's what I want. All right, so so let me let me further expound on what Clarence just said, and this is coming from you know full disclosure, someone who doesn't have children. That being said, I would imagine from Mariner's perspective, there is this innate "I'm going to rebel no matter what her dad or her mom says," and it doesn't matter what mom's title is or dad's title is. So maybe by the fact that your fate is in the hands of someone who is not mom and dad is what changes her dynamic. I mean, I can see that, but my argument would be her problem. Her problem is I don't. Yes. I guess there is some rebelliousness there, probably more than a little, but a lot of the, a lot of the hijinks starts with good intentions. She just feels like she knows better than anyone else of how to accomplish these goals, but she doesn't think about the consequences of them. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to mold someone, you need to put someone that they see that are solving problems that they see as problems. They see them facing the same things they face on a daily day on daily. And they're handling them a different way with better outcomes. And I don't see that as ransom. Like I, I, <laughs> yeah. I just don't. And, and I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this for all of the nagging we get of how Mariners not doing it the Starfleet way. I think this episode again, directly addresses the point to, well, you don't think Mariner should be stealing a ship, but, Mm, it's been done before many, many times. And she's just basically following in the footsteps of, of Kirk and others. So in that aspect of her doing something off the reservation, hey, you know what? Others have done it, too. So give her a break. I interpret Mariner's characterization, the rebelliousness, the way they portray that rebelliousness is I don't like her character for the most part there. You know, I I go back and forth. Sometimes I like her a little bit less than sometimes I like her or dislike her a little bit more dislike. But if I look at the other three that she's paired with, are they quirky? Are they unique? I mean, if I am totally honest with myself, I'm a lot like Ballmer in many ways because I'm the guy that always try, you know, follows the rules and checks the boxes and whatever. So I really can't dislike him. My question is if she were portrayed a little less bratty but still be rebellious, do we think we would like the storylines a little bit more because answering my own question, some of my problem that I have is I usually find her unlikable. Yeah, I I think Mm. some of that could be true. 
Another reason I think they may be trying to ground the characters maybe a little bit more because you know we're supposed to be having this crossover with Strange New Worlds oh, <laughs> in Lower Decks at some point. Now, it could be off the wall, what if episode, but it, the, the worlds are going to cross here. So we have to have them grounded a little bit. But I do get your point that that brattiness could be a part of the, the unlikability of the character. Now, see, on the opposite of, well, I'm, I'm kind of not with Callum. I don't see her as bratty. I just see her as undisciplined. Like she's, she just, what I said earlier, she's doing things with the best of intentions, but without any thought to the repercussions of her actions. And that's where she's falling short. Now, here's where I have a problem with this episode and call it writers, call it directors, call it whatever. It's this could have been done better. So, yes, she's upset. I get it. I would be, too. And I'm just kind of putting myself in her shoes. Right. And with knowing what I know from past Starfleet individuals. All right. Put them in this situation. They're upset. I get it. I agree. Yes. We don't feel Starfleet is doing anything about it. OK. Yes, I get it. We're going to go do something about it. Yes. OK. I get it. Now, I also get Zoe, Alonzo, her dad. You know, let Starfleet handle it. Well, that's uh, always the Admiral's answer, right? Yeah. Most of our captains usually go against the Admirals. We know that already because sometimes the Admirals are just stuck in Starfleet ideals. So I'm with Mariner here. I'm with her on stealing the ship. Great idea. We got a plan. We're going to go. We're going to get this. Like, I was all for it until it's just like, okay, Starfleet fixed it. Like, what? I actually like that, though. I like that. Like, I wish it would have been it would have been better as far as writing's concerned. It would have been better. This was this was an opportunity to develop the character a little bit. It was an opportunity to show growth that wasn't just like in your face growth. If it would have been like, okay, she's still in the ship and she actually got away. She went to get whatever she had to get. And she came back and whatever she had to get that was going to prove it actually helped Starfleet exonerate her. But at the same time, what she didn't understand, Starfleet was working through a number of different channels. And maybe one of those channels was also, you know, mending a stressed relationship with another species. And by her going to do what she did, that kind of put that in jeopardy. And Starfleet Mm. really would have figured this out if she did. But you know what I mean? Like, don't just. They just dropped it to me. Like they had the story going and then they're like, okay, we got 10 minutes left. Let's just drop yeah. it. But, but two things. I think you just said one of my points. There wasn't enough time to flush out that story that you had, which I admit would have been a good story. But also I think, I think Lord Dex is here to subvert our expectations of what's going to happen. Okay. But I got to call BS on this time thing. Cause prodigy is doing it. Mm, he 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 hit you back with that one. I, I didn't know. I did not expect that, but I can't disagree with with that because I felt like a mic drop moment when he said Prodigy uh, is doing but, it. So, but again, that's not what Lower Decks is for. It's it's for giving us hints of what we would get from a normal Trek episode, and and making it funnier or subverting expectations just a little bit. I mean, as far as that goes, I liked all of the things that drove us to the ship. I liked the, you know, the 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 interference of these these aliens in the atmosphere where we couldn't transport off and we had to go and 
go through other means to actually get out to the ship, go to like the transport porter base and then go to Bozeman and still it's still a ship. I loved all of that stuff. So you mentioned writing as far as writing in the episode. I felt like if we're going to do Easter eggs and we're going to do all the Bozeman, the, the, the first contact stuff and, um, we're going to see all the transporters from times past. I think this was a, definitely a good way to integrate all of that nostalgia into the episode. Yes, I agree. Instead of just name dropping. Instead of just name dropping, yeah. yeah. I got a problem with the Bozeman thing, though. All right, so before you go to the Bozeman, let me make one comment, though, back, Jonathan, on your your thing of saying dropping it in the last 10 minutes. The way I took it now, I agree with everything you said about fleshing out the story. And I think that would have been really, really great. But we could look at it from the perspective of maybe this was and back to the grounded title. Maybe this was supposedly to show uh, Mariner, look, you can have a positive outcome without just being rebellious for the sake of rebellion. Yeah, I thought we had a uh, Miles O'Brien statue in Bozeman. Mm, was that Bozeman? I don't. I remember seeing what the statue, it? but I don't remember where it was. I like the fact that they turned Montana into Bozeman, Montana, into like a freaking state of the art theme park with actual rise into space, which probably isn't that impressive once you have you know transporters and real space travel. But I still thought it was cool. I like the I like the vision that they had. Welcome to the 21st century. We hope you enjoy yourself and make a first contact with fun. Oh, oh, they're just like the 21st century. It's just like post-World War III. Oh, my gosh. There's the crash and burn bar with its famous one-song jukebox. Look, there's the ship that the Vulcans came down in. Whoa. Can, can I try that? I mean, it, it would be illogical not to. Sorry, guys. We came for that. Very much Disney had the hologram in the ship. Of Zephyr and Cochran. So I, I loved all of that, man. I thought that was really well done. Hopefully somebody, Paramount, you know, took that into account. <laughs> and, you know, we got all this open space in Bozeman, Montana right now that we could be making tons of money because I would spend mine to do it. Oh, yeah. That was pretty sweet. Were there any other Easter eggs in there that you would consider your top Easter egg, John, since you yes. weren't too high on the Bozeman <laughs> thing? I feel like you already know what mine would be. <laughs> Let's hear it, it. Was a, it it's a couple of them uh but you know the biggest one was uh cisco's restaurant cisco's yeah. creole kitchen so cool so cool man <laughs> and it and the gumbo the first thing popped in my mind there was a i'll just watch this episode where uh cisco's dad was kind of finally breaking the news to him about his mother and all that and you know cisco says well is there any other th- any other secrets you're holding from me dad and he's like, no, he said, the only thing is my gumbo recipe, and I'm taking that to my grave. I still don't understand why the prophets would send you a vision of Sarah. I came back here to clear my head, to try to figure out what to do next. Maybe learning the truth about my mother is the first step of this journey. Well, from here on out, I hope the prophets keep their noses out of my business. Are there any other secrets I should know about? Just my gumbo recipe. 
but I'm taking that to my grave. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> so that was one, and then we had the uh, Catch or Sale White. Yeah, the Catch or Sale hot sauce. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty freaking cool. Oh yeah, and I mean several several DS nine uh, references. We make it a lot of DS nine in this season. We also had the uh, Cisco. Uh, wow, what's what's the son name? Jake Cisco. Jake, I cannot remember any names today. Jake C- Cisco's shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't yep. see that. Yep, the sweater that he had on. Oh, yeah. that is his shirt. I just noticed that. Yeah, man, it, it, it was some some great references in here. Now, Cal, you said you 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 feel like Boomler is your your spirit. I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> like to say that, but but if I'm being honest, yes. So, so, what did you think of his? And this was one of the ones I really hated the the Picard esque vineyard thing where they don't do wine; they do just uh, raisins. Uh, what was your take on that whole scene and uh, Boomler being a very Rich, well, I guess there's no money, but he, he's a very wealthy. His family is comes from a line of, uh, you know, long line of, of vineyard people. And I, I did not see that for that character at all. No, I didn't either. And I'm not that clueless. I, I don't think I am clueless about <laughs> some things, but I'm, you know, I just found that very funny that he was oblivious to all the things that were being said to him so <laughs> yeah, i actually love those references um well those little any you knows right uh that they were you know his workers <laughs> were were giving him now i, I love that but they could have kept the orgy thing at the end out but it i think if you're going to do it well you do it like you did it at the beginning of the vineyard here mm. yes yes because if you weren't an adult you wouldn't get that. You wouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And and that's what I love about. I don't mind. And see, and that's the perfect example. I don't mind having something that is a hundred percent adult oriented that adults would get. But if a child would watch it, they would be completely oblivious to the true meaning or the s- second double entendre or whatever you know. However yeah. you're supposed to say it. Really, 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 really like that. I love how the one dude <laughs> jumped on a ride with them on, on the uh, Phoenix. <laughs> and then just the way they did the Phoenix, I don't believe they got the rights to the real music or they didn't want to pay for it or whatever. So they kind of made up some music to play. But I'm, I'm trying to remember the song that they actually played in the movie. It wasn't what they played on this episode. But then the other things like the jukebox and the um, it was something else. Oh, the actual Vulcan ship that they had. <laughs> in <Yeah. Bozeman. laughs> it was Speaking of Vulcans, I we got to go to Voyager for a second. Even though there was oh, no yeah. speaking, we did see a Tuvok yes. cameo. Yes, that was cool. Now, do you think we want to get Tim Russ this season? No, no. I hope so. I mean, we got Tom Paris last season, so anything is possible. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You know what would have been a great little? Well, I wouldn't call it Easter egg, but a callback or cameo like when they went in to meet this transporter person it would have been an older chief o'brien or chief yeah. o'brien's son or something that's what i was half expecting that would yeah. have been pretty cool see this is one of the points where i never know if it's like a real reference or it's a new character because i was like hey, is this guy somebody from a movie or something i can't i don't remember i couldn't find it yeah i don't think it was but but yeah it's like stuff like that and you know i will say i love it that at least in this episode, most of the, the stuff that seemed like Easter eggs was actually Easter eggs. You, you know, 
it, I think we found with the earlier seasons, it'd be stuff that you'd be like smirking a little bit at, like, is that, you know, when you go research it, it's the first time it's mentioned. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I did appreciate, you know, some of the Easter eggs in, in this episode being true things. And yeah, I just think it was a job well done on all the Easter eggs for the most part. So with that, guys, I think we have kind of, you know, talked this one to death. I'm sure there's other references in there that we didn't bring up. So if you're listening, guys, anything that we missed that you want to bring up or shout out, please send that in to at Discussing Trek or hit us up fans at DiscussingTrek.com. If you have anything to say about this episode, guys, we're going to we're going to wrap this up. Kyle Jones, how do you rate this one? Mm. You know what? I going I am going to go with the first thing that came to my head and I'm going to actually assign an object to it. I'm going to say 3.75 Boimler's hair dyes out of five. <laughs> oh, wow. boy. I think I'm going to give this one 4.2 Phoenix ships out of five. Well, for me, I think I'm going to have to give it a solid three dried raisins. <laughs> and a partridge in a transporter tree. There you go. <laughs> Just overall, that like the three for me, like I'm with Cal on those, you know, just don't go down. Like it was okay. Like I watched it and it was okay. Would I scream to watch it again? Mm, maybe not. But I, I'm going to just need a little more other than just the animated picture on TV. Is mm. kind of what I seen it. So I, I I want to change my rating, and I'm sitting here thinking how bad I dislike some of those others and i'm going to bring it up to clarence's 4.2 oh, oh wow wow yeah because i yeah and jonathan you did that it's all your fault because when you said <laughs> that you talked about you know go, going back and watching i can't imagine going back and watching some of those others i could actually go back and watch this one again so that's why i raised my vote yeah it, it was solid oh, it, wow. it, it was it was hijinks but it was hijinks with a purpose you yes. know if they had a purpose <laughs> Oh, God, and poor Bormler, they were going to use his logs, and he had pontificated on all of them <laughs> with his craziness. <sighs> yeah, poor guy. I couldn't believe he dyed his hair, too. He dyes his hair. I guess it makes sense. Mm. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Why don't you dye your hair purple? <laughs> well, I thought it was naturally purple. I don't know. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's the end of our review. Thank you all for joining once again. If you have feedback about the episode, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or send an email to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. And yeah, with that, guys, we're going to wrap it up and we'll see you next week. So until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.
You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.